Come on, Jesus. We are in a new series on the book of Proverbs. And if you have a Bible, go to Proverbs chapter 3. Come on. And the title of the message this weekend is The Story We All Want to Tell. The Story We All Want to Tell. Ask the person next to you, what kind of story do you want to tell? What kind of story do you want to tell? So we've been looking at what does Proverbs teach us about the way of life that God's called us to live and the the wisdom and the will of God and his plan for our life. In Proverbs chapter three, verse five, it says, trust in the president, trust in the government. Y'all are like, where is this going? Trust, trust in your boss, trust in your friends. And we're not saying you shouldn't trust in them, but, but what is the foundation of our trust? He says, trust in the Lord with half of your heart and lean not. No, with how much of your heart? I'm just making sure you guys are watching, paying attention. Here we go. All of your heart and lean not, lean not to your own understanding. Now, this is coming from the son of King David. His name was King Solomon. He was the third king of Israel. And Solomon, when God anointed him to become the king, the night before he became the king, God said, I will grant you anything you wish, anything you desire. You ask for anything, I'll give it to you. The heads of your enemies, done, right? As much money as you want, done. As much power as you want, all the nations of the earth, I'll give you anything you ask. And Solomon got on his knees and said, God, you've been so good to my family. You've been so faithful to my dad. You've been so faithful. The one thing I ask is for wisdom. And so God granted Solomon wisdom. Now Solomon was the wisest man in the world. He had greater understanding than any person on earth, greater logic, greater reasoning, greater intellect. He was smarter than any other person. And yet in in Proverbs three, verse five, he writes these words, lean not, lean not to your own understanding. When I lean against this podium, this is a strong podium, it can hold me up. Whatever you lean against will either hold you up or it will collapse, right? Depending on the strength and the power of what you're leaning against. And Solomon says, your understanding can't hold you up. Your logic, your reasoning, your intellect, it's going to collapse. He says, trust in God, not your own logic, not your own intellect, not your own education, not your own understanding. And he says, here's why. If you do this, in the next verse, he says, if you submit your understanding to God. Now, submit is a word that sometimes in our culture gets taken out of context, and it can become this this idea that we're just supposed to be rug mats. But in this verse, what, what he's talking about is humbly laying down your feelings of being right, your feelings of thinking you know it all, you know what's best for you. He says, if you'll submit what you think is best to his will, what he thinks is best, if you'll submit, if you'll surrender. I've often talked about submission as coming under something. So when I put my head under this, I'm under the cover of this podium, right? It's covering my head. This is what Solomon's saying. He's saying, submit yourself, get under the counsel of God's word. So often we're under the influence of other things in this world, right? We're allowing people, we're allowing substances, we're allowing addictions to be the covering. We've, we've submitted ourselves to things that we just think we can't break free of. But he says, if you're going to get under anything, if you're going to get under the influence of anything, get under the influence of his will. 
He says, submit your plans to him and he will make your path straight. He'll make your story great. He'll give you a story worth telling to your children and your grandchildren. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us in these next few minutes. Let us leave today with a greater level of surrender and trust. God, that your will, your word, your way is better than ours. And I pray, God, that we would leave just knowing that you're with us, you're for us, you're not against us, and you love us, and you have good plans for our life. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Thank you so much, worship team. So the other day, I was teaching our oldest son, Liam, to mow the lawn. We have a push lawn mower, and he was excited. First time to try it. We're pushing it out there. We get a couple of lines done. We had to go inside. It was starting to rain. So the next morning, he comes to my bed at 6 a.m. in the morning. He goes, Daddy, I'm ready to mow again. I said, Liam, it was a a thunderstorm last night. It's way too wet to mow. He goes, why is it way too wet? What's going to happen? Let me just go out there and keep mowing. I said, Liam, I used to have a lawn mowing business. He's like, you've told me this story. I go, I want to tell you again. I said, me and your uncle John, we had a lawn mowing business. He said, okay, tell me the story. Somebody say, tell me the story. I said, now, when it was rainy, we were mowing 40 lawns a week, and we understood that when it got rainy, that grass would get clumpy, it would not look good, the lines wouldn't look good, you'd miss things. But we went ahead and mowed one day when it was rainy outside. We were mowing in this one neighborhood that was still being developed. This man who was building all these homes paid me and my brother to come and mow the lawns before people moved into these houses so that when they moved in, their their yard would be freshly cut and clean. And uh, so we're, we're mowing these lawns. It had rained that day. It was super clumpy. And my brother didn't want to stop mowing, but he could tell the grass had gotten caught up underneath that lawnmower. So he's holding the top of it to keep it going. And he thinks to himself, I'm going to reach under. <laughs> Y'all know where this story is going. You're like, oh, yeah, that story. I've heard that story. He thinks to himself, I'm going to reach under, pull that grass out. And um, see, God gave us the book of Proverbs as common sense for different. I like this story because I'm not the one who got hurt, but I am the one that was part of the pain. And so my brother reaches under. And when he reaches under, y'all, that blade was coming. It chopped off the top of his middle finger. And he comes running. I'm weed eating in the backyard with my goggles. And I'm weed eating over here. He comes running towards me. And he's like, Paul. Oh, look at, I thought he was pranking me. I thought he was wearing a fake finger that was hanging off. And I was like, that looks so real, man. I was like, that's hilarious. He's like, I'm not kidding, you idiot. This is real. And when I realized it was real, he's crying. I start crying. He's like, why are you crying? I was like, because I'm sensitive, man. I'm sorry. I was like, stop screaming at me. And he's like, my finger's falling off. And uh, so he's like, go get help. So I have a cricket cell phone. So I called 911 and uh, they're not answering. (laughs) They're not answering my phone. So then I start trying to knock on doors, trying to get people. And John's like, you idiot, nobody lives in these houses. And I was like, I know, I'm sorry, man. I'm just trying to get help. Finally, 911, they answer, and, the, and you know, they're like, what do I do? And I was like, my, friend, my, my brother's finger's falling off. I need your help. Come out here. So they're like, we'll be there in 10 minutes. So John's over there. He's crying. He's holding his finger. It's hanging by a thread. Blood's coming out. And I'm like, man, let me help you. So I turn on the water hose. And I, I don't know what I was thinking. I had my thumb over the top of it. I was like, I'm just going to get like a really good. <laughs> so I, the water comes out, and it goes, and his, it knocks his middle finger off. He's like, what is wrong with you, bro? 
He picks up his middle finger and he's like, you just killed my finger. I was like, I'm sorry, John. And uh, so the ambulance shows up. This is a true story. The ambulance shows up and they're like, yeah, that finger's gone, man. That finger's never coming back on. And John goes, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. My middle finger will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. Come on, he had learned that. My mom had taught him that scripture. And so the ambulance guy was like, okay. And uh, they did sew his middle finger back on. Took some years, but he got the feeling back. It was numb for a while. It is alive and well and working great. And there he is over there. No, John, put that down. Put that down. Put that down. I had no... In Jesus' name, we... Happy Mother's Day. I'm sorry. Everybody say, what kind of story do you want to tell? In the book of Proverbs, we see these words of wisdom teaching us how to live a great story. I remember asking a mentor in my life whether I should take this job in in Colorado. I had just graduated college, and I was offered this job to be a youth pastor there, and I was talking to him about it. He said, well, what do you feel called to do? I said, I really feel called to help my mom and dad, but there's no job on staff available. And he said, okay. And he said, um, where do you feel like the most pieces? I said, the most pieces here in Tulsa, but the money's in Colorado, the opportunities in Colorado. And I'll never forget what he told me. He didn't tell me what to do. He just asked me this question. He said, what kind of story do you want to tell one day? I said, what do you mean? He said, what kind of story one day are you going to tell about what you did in this moment? And he said, have you ever made some decisions you regret? I said, a whole lot. I said, I feel like, I'm like the, I've made some dumb decisions. And um, he said, well, in this moment, in this season, he said, ask yourself this question, what kind of story do I wanna tell one day? So I decided to stay in Tulsa and not take the job, and I was super bummed. And uh, that, that summer, toured with music, had a band, and, and then a job opened up as a part-time associate young adults pastor in our college ministry, and the, the rest is history. Here I am serving as pastor. But I think about there's moments in our life, there's intersections in our life where God gives us a choice to do this or to do that, to go here or to go there, to follow the money or to follow peace, to follow our flesh or to follow faith, to follow our feelings for pleasure, our desire to be happy right now, or our willingness to wait so that we can be happy later. Dave Ramsey talks about this in Financial Peace University where he talks about how so often we're in a hurry to spend right now. You know, max out the credit card, get what you want, buy it now, be happy now, but oftentimes later on, we're paying for it, right? And so he gives this wisdom of waiting so that we can be happy later. I wanna give you just three ways to have a story, I think in the book of Proverbs, a story that we all wanna tell. And it comes from Proverbs 3, verse five through six, that verse, number one, The story we all want to tell one day requires our full trust in God's wisdom. Our full trust in God's wisdom is required if we want to tell a story worth telling one day. Divine direction comes from unconditional submission, surrender. Solomon said, trust God with all your heart. Now, ironically, Solomon went on to trust in his own understanding for a long time. He started marrying women thinking that the more women he married who were from other countries, he would create alliances. So he married Pharaoh's daughter, thinking if I'm married to Pharaoh's daughter, we'll have peace between Egypt and Israel. Then he married Saudi Arabia king's daughter, 
thinking, if, I, if I'm married to the king of Saudi Arabia's daughter, this was political wisdom. This made sense to his intellect, his, his understanding. The only problem was the favor that God gave Solomon in Israel had nothing to do with his connections with man. It had everything to do with his submission to the Lord. And when Solomon opted to move away from trusting in God and trusting in his own political wisdom, the Bible says his heart was turned away from God. He married 700 wives. That's a lot of mamas. He had a lot of kids. He had a lot, like Solomon was very busy. And it wasn't until the end of his life when he was writing the book of Ecclesiastes where he said, I've realized that the only thing that matters is to fear God because there's not enough pleasure in this world that will ever get you on the right path where you are fully satisfied with the story you wanna tell. The best stories come from full trust in God's wisdom. There was a moment when David, the father of King Solomon, was anointed to become the king of Israel. He was 15 years old, he was the youngest of eight sons. His father, Jesse, didn't even believe in him, but God believed in him. And after he was anointed, he went on to take out Goliath. So everyone knows the story, David and Goliath. He slays Goliath. He does this for King Saul, the first king of Israel. And he thinks, man, Saul's gonna love me for this. And Saul does. Saul gives him his daughter, his wife. He gives him tax-free. Like, he's like, you can live here. You don't have to pay taxes. I'm gonna take care of you. But when people start talking about how great David is and how ungrate Saul is, Saul starts getting jealous and angry and he starts throwing spears at David. So David goes to hide in these caves. And while he's hiding in caves, there's all kinds of young guys who come to him. They're broken. They're like the lost boys from Peter Pan. They all come to King David, but he's not king yet. Saul is still king. Saul is crazy. He's mad. He's jealously um, insane. And he's been trying to hunt down David. He's left the throne and he's searching for David in the caves. So David is hundreds of miles away from Jerusalem where the, where the king lives. He's hiding in caves and one night, King Saul is searching for David and he goes into this cave thinking, I'm gonna go use the restroom and David is hiding in the cave with all of his lost boys of Israel, all the broken men. They're in the back of the cave and his men whisper, whisper to David, they go, David, you've been anointed to become the future king of Israel. The guy who's currently the king of Israel is right over there. He's using the bathroom. His back is turned to us. He doesn't even know we're in the cave. This is God's opportunity for you to kill the king so you can take the throne, right? And this, is, this made sense in their minds, their feelings, their excitement, their energy. They were all like, yes, God is in this. How many of y'all have ever had someone tell you, I heard from God what you should do? Right? I, I grew up in a, in a, as a pastor's kid. I heard this a lot from a lot of people. My mom and dad used to say, Paul, consider the source. Who said this? And also always line it up with the word of God because God will never speak against his word. So in this moment, David has this wisdom. Instead of trusting in his peers and his friends, telling him to kill Saul so he can take the, take the throne, he thinks to himself, what kind of story do I wanna tell one day? that I was anointed by God, but God was not big enough to put me on the throne, so I killed the first king so I could become the king? As he's thinking through these questions, he's probably also thinking those who live by the sword die by the sword. If I take the throne this way, someday the next person will take the throne from me that way. Because he understands that the seeds I sow today produce the harvest I reap tomorrow. What kind of story do you wanna tell?
Instead of trusting in his own feelings or his friends, he decides to put his full trust in God's wisdom. He waits. The next day, Saul's outside the cave and David says, Saul, I could have killed you last night. I cut a piece of your robe off to let you know that I spared your life, to let you know that my trust is not in my friends or my feelings or my flesh, but is in God. The same God who puts you on the throne has the power to remove you from the throne and it's not up to me to decide when. David had trusted in God and because of that, he had a story one day that he was excited to tell his kids. Number two, A story worth telling requires our hearts to be humbly submitted to the Holy Spirit. Our hearts humbly submitted to the Holy Spirit. Throughout the Bible, Jesus tells his disciples, wait on the Holy Spirit. Wait on the Holy Spirit. Surrender to the Holy Spirit. He'll be your comforter. He'll be your guide. He'll he'll be the one that protects you. He'll be your counselor. He'll direct your steps. In the book of Proverbs, we understand that the Holy Spirit is not just the spirit that gives us the power to speak in tongues or to prophesy, but he also gives us the spirit of wisdom. And wisdom comes as a gift from God. When we are submitted to the Holy Spirit, he gives us the wisdom to know what to do, when to do it, how to do it, and to overcome our pride and our ego in the moment thinking we know what's best. In a world that always screams, do what you feel like doing, do what feels good to you, the Bible says, do what the Holy Spirit is leading you to do. Don't be led by your flesh. Be led by the Spirit. I want the band to come back up. I remember one time I was driving to Texarkana with Ashley. We had just gotten married, and we were headed to go see my Nana, who lived down there, Nana and Papa. And uh, our Papa had just passed away, so it was just Nana down there. And as we're driving past McAllister, Oklahoma, she's like, Paul, you really need to pull over and get gas. And I was like, babe, I know how much my car can handle. I still got another 30 miles left in my tank. She goes, it looks like it's on E. I was like, I know what's best. Don't worry about it. About two miles later, right outside of McAllister State Prison, my car breaks down. 9 p.m., we had just finished watching Prison Break, the TV show. It's dark that night. The prison is just a mile away. She looks at me and she's like, you should have listened to me. And I was like, I should have listened to you. Have you ever had moments where you regret not listening to the warnings that that your spouse or someone gave you? 10 of us in the room, the rest of y'all are perfect in all your ways. How many of y'all regret, like you're like, I should have listened, right? And that is the truth. I'm so thankful that she was forgiving in that moment. She's like, I forgive you, but that doesn't change the fact that we are now out of gas, right beside the prison, and it's dark outside. Thank God there was someone who pulled over on the side of the road, had a gas can, helped us get through it. But I think about how the Holy Spirit gives us warnings, gives us help, guides our steps. Even this last week, there was tornado warnings that were going off on the TV, and if you've got that siren, I want you to just play it, and I want you to look at this footage of, of some tornadoes that came across our state. Don't worry, there's no tornado happening right now outside. This is just a, a false alarm, but I want you to see these tornadoes. They're powerful. They come out of nowhere, right? And when that siren is going off, it's warning Oklahoma. Oklahomans, we are prepared for this. The movie Twister was filmed in our state. All right, you can turn off the siren. People are getting nervous. But when I see that footage, I think life is unpredictable. You never know what's going to happen down the road. There are things that we could 
work so hard to be prepared for, and yet it doesn't go the way we think it's going to go. Just recently, we were watching Twister, and at the end of the movie, there's this moment where the, the lead actors have been chasing tornadoes, trying to capture the perfect tornado, which is just crazy to me. But they find themselves being chased by a tornado, and they run into this barn. Everything's flying. The barn's flying up into the air. And they're trying to think, what should we hold on to? What's going to keep us strong through this tornado? What's going to keep us strong through this messy moment? And they find the thing that's anchored deep into the ground. It's this pipe. And, and, and this pipe that they hold on to. They grab onto it, right? And as they're holding on to it, their bodies are being flung by the tornado and the winds, but they are safe and secure as they're connected to that deep anchor into the ground. It goes about 40 feet deep into the ground. They realize that the most powerful thing in a storm is the thing that's anchored deep down below that cannot be pulled up. Can I tell you, the grass withers and the flowers fade. Presidents are elected and presidents are gone. Governments are elected and Supreme Court justices and laws are passed, but this word stands firm and secure. There will be pastors who come and go. There will be people who come and go, but you can trust in the Holy Spirit. You can trust in the word of God. It is a firm foundation. It is a compass for us when we are lost. It is an anchor for us in the tornadoes. It's not when or if there will be a tornado, it's when will it come. It's inevitable. We know that storms are gonna come. We know that crazy chaotic moments will come. And we've gotta know where do I run when I don't know where to run? Who do I look to? What do I do when the story is not going the way I thought it was gonna go? What do I do when the script gets changed and I thought we were headed this direction in our family and now we're not? Who do I trust? Who do I lean on? Proverbs says, don't lean on your own understanding. Don't lean on your intellect. Don't run towards the money. Run towards the Father. Run towards the house. Run towards God. Run towards Jesus. Anchor your soul into his word. Number three, if we want to have a story worth telling one day, it's, it's going to come down to putting our belief in God's love for us so we never give up. See, God's love for you, Romans chapter 8 says nothing can separate you from his love. Throughout the book of Proverbs, it says, make sure that you bind the love of God around you. Make sure you fasten the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God around your neck. Make sure that you anchor your hope in his love. Though a righteous man may fall seven times, he will get back up again. See, a story worth telling is not a story that has no flaws. Every character that God used in the Bible made mistakes. The only person that was flawless and perfect in the Bible that God used was Jesus, the Son of God. Everyone else had tension, had unpredictable moments, had twists and turns. What made their stories great was not that they had a perfect life with no problems, no storms. It's that they found a way to overcome in the midst of life's storms. They found a way to rise above. And I truly believe the way we rise above is fixing our hope on the author, the finisher of our faith, reminding ourselves, he loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust you, how I've proved you or endure. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust you more. When I think about a story that I want to tell my kids one day, it'll be this story where I say, we didn't know what to do, 
but we put our hope in Jesus and we got back up and we kept moving forward. I remember one day I was having the worst day of my senior year at Victor Christian School. I was 18 and getting ready to graduate. All my friends knew what they were going to do. I didn't know. I felt confused. I felt discouraged. And then I thought to myself, you know, my dad, he offices here at the school. His office was on the third floor. And I thought, I'm going to go up to his office, just see if he's got time to talk. Maybe he can counsel me on what to do. So I went up there. He was in a busy meeting, all these businessmen there, knock on the door. Some guys with suits and ties answered the door. They said, your, your dad's busy right now. I said, okay. So I start walking down the hall. Next thing I know, I feel a hand on my shoulder. And I hear my dad's voice. He goes, Polly. I said, hey, dad. He said, what can I do for you? I said, dad, you're busy right now. He said, I'm never too busy for my kids. I said, all right. He could tell I had a bad day. All he did was just pull me in for a hug. Remember nights where my mom would just sit up late at night, sit with my brother and I. She would make us grilled cheese sandwiches. She would just say, talk to me. What's going on? They were there. Your father in heaven is there for you today. His office is never too busy to listen to his kids. He's available to you to give you mercy, grace, wisdom, strength, help. And this is why I love that, that age-old song, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust you, how I've proved you or and or Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust you more. Let's just close our eyes all over this room if... If you're facing a season right now, a situation, a circumstance, a need where you just need to trust in the Lord and lean not to your own understanding, you just need his grace right now to put your trust and your hope in him. Maybe here today and you need his help. You need the Holy Spirit's guidance, his counsel. You're facing a decision and you're going, I don't know what to do. What should I do? And the Holy Spirit is whispering through the message today. What kind of story do you want to tell? A story of trusting your own feelings or trusting in the word of God. Being led by flesh or being led by the spirit. Being led by fear or being led by faith. Being driven into guilt and shame or receiving grace and mercy. He's here today. He can take your ashes and give you beauty. He can take that garment of heaviness and give you a garment of praise. He can take whatever you've walked through, whatever situation, all the shame, the mistakes. He says, I've got grace for you. I've got mercy for you. I've got hope for you. I've got joy for you. Those who sow in tears will reap a harvest of joy. Don't give up. Don't quit here. Don't stop here. God's not done with you. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today, and you just need the Spirit's help. You need the help of the Holy Spirit. You need the, 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 you need the wisdom from heaven right now. You need the help from heaven today. If that's you, all over this room, just raise your hand. If you, need, if you need God's wisdom over something, if you need His Holy Spirit, if you need to surrender to Him, if you need to put your trust in Him, just raise your hand. Today is your day. Greatest gift you could give to God or to your mother, to your father, is that gift of surrender to the Lord, to the Holy Spirit, to say, God, I need you. I invite you into this situation. Lord, I ask for your help in this decision, this relationship. Whatever it is you're facing, he's got, he's got the answer for it. All over this room, if that's you, just keep your hand raised. Today's your day. Salvation, forgiveness, hope, restoration, healing. 
If you raised your hand or you wanted to raise your hand, would you leave your seat? Come and meet me at the altar right now. We're just going to have a moment of surrender. And we're going to cheer on brave men, brave women, moms, dads, sons, daughters, mothers, wives, husbands. Today is a day to say, Lord, I trust in you. I lean not to my own understanding. In all my ways, I submit to you. I acknowledge that you are God and I am not. Lord, that you know better than I do. So Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. God, not my way, not my will, not what I want, but Lord, what you want. Maybe you're facing just a a season where you're trying to get vision for your life and you need the Holy Spirit to give you vision on what's next and what to pray for and what to move towards. Come down to the altar today. God wants to download a vision from heaven, wisdom from heaven, direction from heaven, help from the Holy Spirit. Let's just begin to worship him all over this place. Go ahead, Israel.
Just pray this with me. Say, Jesus, I trust in you with all my heart and lean not to my own understanding. You are God. I am not. You know what's best. So let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. I surrender to you. I submit to you. I come under your authority. I repent of sin and I receive your mercy. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me, for loving me, for pulling me up, for giving me another chance. Your grace is more than enough. I'm all yours. In Jesus' name.